Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This is Bucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell. Before we look ahead, we've got to take a little glance in the rearview mirror mm-hmm. and uh, talk about an, an interesting 4-1 win for the Bolts. Three straight wins at home, as Kaylee mentioned, and versus Calgary. Kaylee and I broke down this game yeah. in the last Bucks and Bolts episode not really knowing which way this game was going to lean. There was options because this is a high-scoring, high-shooting team. Uh, There's key players on there that Kaylee and I broke down that could have been a big, big problem for these Bolts to contain, and they managed. They, um, Kaylee, I can't wait to hear more of the insight that you have and like the perspective you got from being in the arena, but the first thing that stood out to me was their their mental game management. Um, which is something we will dive further into a little later segment, but their mental game management versus the Calgary Flames is what stood out to me the most as I went back and looked over game notes and, and stats and watched the highlights from the games and stuff. But how was the atmosphere there, Kaylee? How was it like having Blake Coleman back? It was a really cool atmosphere. Um, like I said, you know, because of the fact that it was Hockey Fights Cancer Night, um, just everybody going into it, just, it, you know, there's just a lot of, love and understanding in that game and in the arena because uh, because of how big of a deal that night is um so just a cool atmosphere overall but really exciting to see both uh the lightning facing off against the flames a team that they don't really see all that often and Blake Coleman there was one time where Blake Coleman got like a little feisty with some of his former teammates which I thought was kind of interesting and and a little bit funny um, and it's interesting that you note the mental game, Casey, because I think the one thing that was most interesting to me was how the defense played, um, especially after Nick Perbix got out of the game. The defense played phenomenal. They they were really, really powerful. And so I asked, we got to talk to Mikhail Sergachev after the game, Nick Perbix and John Cooper. Um, we also talked to Steven Stamko. So I'll give you guys all updates on a little bit about what all of them said, but Casey, um, I was just saying like the defense in this game was fantastic and Mm -hmm. you wouldn't think so from necessarily like looking at the stats. However, whenever you look a little bit closer, the, the flames got off a lot of Mm -hmm. shots. They had a lot, a high quantity of shots, but when you look at the quality of those shots, they were not that good. The quality mm-hmm. was not nearly the same amount of 
quality that the shots that lightning got off. Um, and I mean, to, to prove that if you, if you look at the advanced statistics, the lightning had a total of 18 high danger shots, Mm -hmm. the flames, they only had six high danger shots, Casey. So I asked Mikhail Sergachev, tell me about this. Like, was this the plan going into it to, to really, to not necessarily worry about how many shots they're getting on net, but really mm -hmm. reduce the quality of those shots. It doesn't matter the quantity, but we don't want them to have good quality shots. And he said, yeah. exactly. That was exactly our focus coming into this game, keeping them on the outside, making sure that our goaltender has his eyes protected, that they're not setting up these screens. They're not getting those rebound passes. I mm -hmm. asked John Cooper almost the exact same question. And I said, was this just a turn, a, a, a turning point in terms of execution? Are the guys mm -hmm. just executing the game plan better or is this a different game plan? And he said it was a little bit of both that they did kind of have a game plan going specifically into this game that said, you know what? Calgary is a high shooting team. We're going to let them shoot, but we're not going to let them shoot where it matters. We're not yeah. going to let them get second chances. We're not going to let them get rebounds. And we're going to be much cleaner with our transitions, much cleaner in our passes so that Calgary doesn't get these three-on-ones, these two-on-ones situations. Mm -hmm. And when you look defensively, that was what they were able to do well. So I know I'm a stats person and I, and I bring stats up a lot, but in this game specifically, you can't necessarily lean on all of the stats because uh -huh. if you're just looking at, oh, well, how many shots that they had? Well, they, Calgary had 40 shots. Really? I mean, you yeah. look at the second period, Calgary had 16 shots. The Lightning only had six, yep. but they made those shots count and they pulled Calgary to the outside. It, and it's something that I expect them to continue to build on top of. The other thing I'll mention defensive, defensively, Casey, that was really, really good for this team was after Nick Perbix went out, mm -hmm. they only had five defensemen and they played a very, very sound game. Um, Super crucial. It was it was really, really crucial for them to do that. You said it. Mm -hmm. um, and not only that, it's hard. They're having to take on minutes that Perbix yeah. was getting. And so you're tired. You're you're a little overwhelmed after a game like that. But they pulled out the win. It was a huge victory. Um, and they have to be feeling pretty confident, I would imagine, going into this game against the Predators. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you mentioned so many key things that fans should not only, you know, pay attention to from the previous win, but also looking ahead to Nashville, because for one, as you mentioned, statistically, this game, you can't really lean too much into because even Steven Stamkos mentioned after the game, they didn't really attain any sort of game flow, um, kind of touching back to that mental effort that they had. When we talked on the last pucks and bolts episode, uh, we mentioned the fact that they should be the team that scores first. Well, statistically for what counted, they got on the board first, but it was actually, the the flames that scored first and after that it was a great shot uh by luchi i want to say luch i gotta, can't find the description of the name but them opening up the scoring there could have really shaken the bolts out mm -hmm. of their structure and it didn't um and so for them to bounce back recover and not probably do it in the prettiest fashion but then to have your captain who's been alluded to only be a power a power play scorer or put in all these boxes and labels Steven Samco's scoring even strength and doing well with it 
generates for this team to see your mm -hmm. leader do something like that. So to have no game flow, statistically, that looks different. Then you also have the fact that, as you mentioned with defense, Kaylee, there was a lot of key things that the defense did a little bit better. Sergey mentioned their gap management. Well, in many practices, we saw how Coach Cooper was having them skate closer together, communicate, talk more, talk louder, um, find ways to stay in sync with one another. And I think the defense started to find a little bit more um, a little bit more rhythm there in order to do so. Uh, so to be able to bounce back after that first goal that got called back for offsides, then for Stammer to get his team on the board, started to lead a charge, then for them to follow in that momentous swing of things, I think that that all helped keep them in a game um, that could have very much gone a different way, even though they didn't have flow and it wasn't the prettiest situation. I love how you can read these guys' emotions after a game and see how hard they are on themselves, even after they win. Um, looking at Coach Cooper's face and reaction to certain things, even Sergachev. But that was an important win for many reasons. One being how you mentioned the defense, Kaylee. Another one being the fact that Coach Cooper switched a few things up. We also talked about the first line. We've talked immensely about all lines getting involved. The players have mentioned it after practices and after games. Something I found really interesting was the fact that the shift times and the time on ice per line per unit was so different than it's been all season long. The first line typically averages 17 to 20 minutes on ice between Heggs point and Kucherov. They had 14 to 15 minutes. So that was distinctly different from what they've done. And of course, in hockey, those extra two, three minutes are pretty significant there. The second line averaged the same thing, 14 to 15 minutes. Uh, Brandon Hagel, who's always been kind of a key asset over the last three and a half weeks for sure, had 15 minutes and 42 seconds on ice. Last time you look at his ice time, it was like six or no, 18 tops, almost 19 and then Mikhail Sergachev, who's been leading the defenseman with time on ice, was actually the third defenseman with time on ice. So you can see that Coach Cooper had the shifts being very quick and having the turnaround happen quickly so that nobody got too consistent. Um, the other team couldn't really adjust to what the Bolts were producing there. And whether they had more shots on goal or not, you couldn't really uh, cue in on how they were lining up and setting up to get those shots off and to generate, as you said, with quality over quantity. So I found that that whole perception heading into this game and how to manage a team like this, not fast, but high scoring, high volume was really cool. And they can translate a lot of that into the Predators matchup this evening. They, they certainly can. And Casey, uh, I'm going to mention just one more point before we move on to that Predators matchup, because I know that we're going to have uh, a few keys and some problematic players that we have to take a look at. But Casey, the Lightning did not win the first time they wore the reverse retro jerseys this year. Last <laughs> night, they wore those retro uh, jerseys again and they kind of redeemed themselves with that win and not only did they redeem the jerseys but also their special teams so yeah. uh calgary was one for three on the power play so the lightning got two penalty kills um in and were able to really stop calgary and those um but i was more impressed with the power play for the lightning the fact that the Lightning were able to go one for two um, on the power play 
was something that I think was really, really helpful. And the fact that it was Nikita Kucherov. Now, when you watch this game, watching Nikita Kucherov lead up to that goal that he had, you could tell that he was buzzing. In fact, they had uh, they had one of the guys mic'd up and he's like watching Cooch out there and he's like, oh, he's buzzing right now. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's going right now. And then right after that, Cooch just knocks one in and scores. And you're just ecstatic for him. Cooch afterwards, you know, is skating to the ice and gives one of these numbers to his teammates as, as he's going through. So really, really good to see um, this power play unit really kind of come together. Mikhail Sergachev is huge on this power play. Just the way that he is able to play, he has taken, we've talked about it before, he's taken a lot of minutes on himself this season. Mm -hmm. He's really hard on himself. And so when we asked him after the game a little bit more about that play, setting up um, Nikita Kucherov there, he said, he said, well, I'm not going to take too much credit for it because it was kind of a dumb play on my part, but it turned out to be something that was really good. But he was like, honestly, in all honesty, I probably should have played that a little bit better. Um, So it was interesting that he kind of gave himself a little bit of a hard time, even though Casey, he got the assist and he was yep. there and helped Kucherov score that goal. We all know that Mikhail Sergachev is a guy that is that is really hard on himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's a guy that's really stepped up specifically in the absence of Ryan McDonough, who I know that the, the Lightning players are going to be really excited to see. He's very good friends with Zach Bogosian and Pat Maroon. He's developed yep. a really strong Eddie. friendship with, with all of these guys on this team. And so have his kids, um, specifically awesome. his oldest daughter, Fallon. She's still pen pals with uh, some of the Lightning teammates, uh, specifically uh, Zach Bogosian's um kid they're they're pen pals they used to play on the same little league team together and Casey as you you kind of figure out who you're going to pick for a cherry picker I'm going to mention my pick for cherry picker um and it is going to be Nikita Kucherov um because I said that I wanted this first line to step up uh after their last performance and I think that they did I think that Nikita Kucherov was able to step up he was able to go out there and perform well he had uh, two two goals in this game, um, and one of them was an empty netter. One of them was the power play goal. So Nikita Kucherov, he's going to be my cherry picker. Uh, I think that he did a great job. So Nikita Kucherov, Casey, is who I picked. But let me know, who is your cherry picker in this game? Um, I have to go with Mikhail Sergachev because of half of the things that you just mentioned and the mere fact that he just keeps building on his performances game by game by game by game. I mean, he was a crucial conductor in this previous win yet again um, between assists. Even though he didn't have the highest time on ice, he made every bit of his time on the ice count. Um, assist on two out of three goals. Sergey Reed stammered to the pass to Kudrop on the power play. He's helping getting that power play more consistent. And you can tell because 
they haven't been shuffling too much back and forth between trying to continuously put Victor Hedman back on that top line. They're establishing so much trust in Mikhail Sergachev. So while Sergey has been uh, my cherry picker before, it's just so hard not to choose him again because when you look statistically at what he did and how he contributed and helped set his team up for success in this specific game that could have gone in a completely different direction, I just have to give so much um, adoration and respect for Mikhail Sergachev. And like you said, he's so hard on himself. Uh, he just loves to figure out a way to beat out his better performances and his better games. And he's doing that. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him as a, as a key conductor yet again tonight versus the Predators. Uh, yeah. Mikhail Sergachev, he really is a guy that is stepping up 